Um, speaking of friends, I, uh, before we do Leafs talk tonight, I just want to say I am super proud of my friend Justin Bourne. I finished his book uh, down and back right here. You can get it wherever books are sold. Uh, I've told you this privately, but I will say it publicly as well on the show that I've always been a fan of your writing. You know this. We've talked often about your writing and, you know, I've always been a fan of your career. I really pushed hard to try to get you to come to Sportsnet. This is phenomenal. I couldn't put it down. I think it's 274 pages and I read it all in about two and a half days. And I, (laughs) I, I just, I, I consumed it. I devoured it. I, I think that it is extremely helpful to people. I think that you are a great storyteller. Um, there is so much useful information in there. I think it's more relatable than most people would think considering, you know, the life that you live and also just some of the trials and tribulations, even if you haven't dealt with addiction. I think that we all deal with a lot of just some of the mental health stuff that you've gone through in your life. And yeah, I think that this book will resonate with a lot of people. And so again, I, I really do recommend people go out and buy it because I found it to be very useful. I really enjoyed it. I found myself laughing at certain parts. I found myself getting emotional at certain parts. I found it to be very hard, but yet hopeful and optimistic. And so, yeah, that's my endorsement. That's my, if I had a, what is the Oprah's book club? Then that's how we're starting the show today is. Go buy this freaking book, okay? Thanks Look at this so book. Much. Honestly, that that means so much to me. The hour we did promoting it before the book came out, uh, or maybe day the book came out, was as meaningful as, as a conversation of I've had recorded anyway. And um, yeah, I really appreciate your support along the way. You uh, you're the one who got me in at Sportsnet with all the uh, all the hits on the Jade the Good Show. Yeah, and just desperately asking you to do more and more and more. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. I'm at a bar. I, think, I can't. <laughs> I, know, I was like, this guy hates my guts. <laughs> yeah. I tell him all the time to come in studio, and he will never do it. it makes way more sense now. It's fine. It makes feel yeah, validated infinite. by that at least. Yeah. Uh, you know what else makes more sense now? Austin Matthews. Uh, he's good again. So that's oh. good. There was a piece by Jonas Siegel a couple of weeks ago outlining his wrist injury and how he started to feel like he was going to get his swagger back. There was a game, I can't remember who it was against. I want to say this was about now three weeks to close to a month ago. I, yeah. I was off and I went to the game live and it was against the Seattle Kraken. It could have been a month ago. Let's say three weeks. Yeah. You actually did it with McKee. I went to the game and I could not help but remark how little I noticed him in the game. And then I looked down at the score sheet and he had zero shots, zero. I think he now has in his last 12, 58 shots. He is shooting the puck and he's driving the net. He's looking confident. The first goal of the night I thought was kind of a vintage Matthews, just snapshot, not as hard as he normally shoots it, but this one was more of a guided. I'm going to put it into the spot, pick a low corner he looks big all of a sudden, which, you know, is one of my favorite compliments yes. to give a player is when they play with their size. What are you noticing with Austin Matthews right now? Because I just feel like he's turned a massive corner. I mean, truly, this was like his undertaker in the casket gif, like rising up game for me. This I thought he was so good and the type mm-hmm. of dominant that is not common around the league. Like it's like the, you know, how we talked ourselves into him being a heart trophy winner last year, um, moving his feet is the biggest thing. The play at the very end that he doesn't score on, he ends up getting a one-handed shot where he picks the guy's pocket and makes like three hard crossovers, leans on a guy. Like he just, he's skating so much better. And that to me is the difference. Really engaged, just an elite performance from him. 
Yeah, um, we're running uh, some Matthew stuff right now. A couple of yeah. clips from him throughout this. And yeah, the first one, him just, yeah, picking the corner. But it's funny because the, the second goal I thought was the most Matthew. Sometimes I'll talk about him being just like a superhero where it's just him behind the net and he looks and he sees some yeah. space and he goes, I'm going to go to this area and I'm going to rip one and I'm going to put it past you. And that's just that's just who I am. Uh, yeah, yeah tonight where you could not give him any space or he was going to punish you. And that's what I felt like last year was, oh, you gave him a little bit of extra too much ice. It's like a good shooter in basketball. It feels the same way. Like you mm -hmm. got, you can't sag off him. They say in basketball, you cannot yeah. sag off this guy. That's what he did in, in tonight's hockey game. He gave him a little bit too much space and he punished the Panthers. He was the difference. You know, what's interesting too, is that uh, intermission Elliot noted the little scuffle he had with Montour uh, before he came out and scored that goal. And like, there was, you know, he jaws at the guy a little bit. He just seemed super engaged in the game. It wasn't like earlier in the season, I watched Matthews play and I was like, garbage, you know, like no good. Oh, I think Bourne froze. Yeah, I think that he bricked out and I think it's just me. Yeah, Matthews was fine throughout the season. I don't think that there was ever, a, uh, I'll say that there were some points where I didn't think he was very good. I don't think that I would ever go so far throughout the season to say Matthews is bad, but yeah, holy hell. Tonight it was just a different looking guy. And I, I don't know if the wrist injury is to blame for the entire season. It's weird that he would have gotten over it at this point of the year. And all of a sudden Austin Matthews would have turned a corner from uh, the little bit of rest that he's had at certain sp spots, certain points. But I, I will say this is I, I do think that as he's probably gotten healthier and tonight you really noticed it, that, it was a lot of swagger. This is just a guy that lately I'm noticing playing with a different kind of different kind of energy. And, you know, I was talking about this on my show today with Craig Simpson. But probably one of the most encouraging things, like if you're a fan of Leafs talk, you know, I was pretty pissed off in that last game. Uh, I really not did not like the turnovers to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I did not like the attention to detail that a lot of the guys have had in a couple of these games. The analytical part of this, I'm not concerned about because yeah Leafs again tonight get outshot but I didn't feel as though this was a game that the Leafs got outplayed in um despite those being the numbers so yeah probably from a metric standpoint the Leafs are going to take another hit and now we're going to have a 12 game sample from the post deadline period onwards where the team just is not looking like on paper from a number standpoint on all cylinders but one thing that has been notable to me anyways from Basically, the last, I don't know, I'll, I'll say five, six, seven games-ish, is that Marner look like a completely different level of engaged. It just so happens to have coincided with Nylander not having, and Tavares having some slumpier, sleepier games. But as McKee was saying on the last show, I kind of feel as though it's, it's just sort of routine for Tavares to disappear at times when it comes to his offense. And yeah, similarly with Nylander, we probably got just like a little too comfortable this year when it came to this guy and yeah, just being a basically a dominant force every single night for the Leafs. So anyways, Matthew's the difference tonight. Keep it moving along. I got the second story of the game to me, clearly John Tavares. Um, and, and I hope Bourne does come back for this part of it because I think that's where his analysis is kind of a little important. But Leafs did a really good job tonight of taking advantage of the Panthers by creating for themselves behind the net. And Matthews does it on his second goal of the game where he's the goal line. He looks out front. He surveys. 
He blasts into the middle of the ice. He picks a spot. He finds his own space. Tavares tonight did it for other people where every single one of his assists is something that's created behind the net. And, you know, sis, if you got that pack, you can run it on those John Tavares goals. But every single one of them, one of bunting, set up from behind the net. Goal for Nylander, set up that he's get going behind the net. And then, yeah, one for Alex Kerfoot. And those are three guys that John Tavares created for tonight that have all had a bit of negative press clipping as of late. None of them have been phenomenal. None of them have been dominating. Alex Kerfoot obviously has been basically one of the whipping boys of this market for the entire calendar year. Somebody who just cannot get it done, who cannot buy a goal just about any time all year long. Nylander's been slumping. And to be honest, I didn't think Nylander was very good again tonight. Um, maybe it's in my head a little bit, but the Keith Keith comment about how to he, he hasn't been moving his feet upon getting the puck. It just, it doesn't feel like he's as engaged as he has been all year long. Don't know what it is, but at least he got one tonight. Had to feel good for him. Definitely had to feel good for Michael Bunting, who's been a bit of a whipping boy for this team for quite some time. Or sorry, for the coach. Market whipping boy, Kerfoot. Team whipping boy for the head Michael Bunting, who also has to be looking at the way Yarncroft is playing lately and thinking, damn, I may have fumbled the bag a little bit here considering, yeah, another guy is getting to play up on that top line and looking phenomenal. And yeah. Uh, I just thought this was a very nice one for Tavares. Oh, Justin Bourne is here. Okay. I was actually, We're I was just talking. It's, it's okay. What uh, we, your internet failing. This is the first time this has happened all year. So I'll take it. So I was talking about tonight, how Tavares created for three guys who all kind of needed one. It was mm -hmm. Kerfoot who's gone forever without one Nylander who's been, you know, publicly called out by his coach lately. And I, I didn't think that he was great tonight. And Michael Bunting, who's been moved around up and down and his coaches, Michael Bunting is, you know, I used to have a boss who, because I was younger, he would just like take liberties with me in terms of <laughs> the way he would lay into my mistakes. And I'm not saying I was Bob McCowan. Obviously there was a difference, but the coach was very, or the, the boss was very reluctant to say anything to Bob McCowan. But with me, it was like any minor mistake was like, I'm going to chastise you in front of everybody in this office today, young son. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like bunting is that for Sheldon Keefe a little bit where he just feels like he's the top six guy that he can just lay into and let loose yeah. on. But yeah, Tavares tonight, he gets the three assists, but I was just remarking how all of them come from behind the net and he creates offense from back there extremely well. He does. Absolutely. That's a really good point. One of the things I wanted to note on uh, Kerfoot's goal before, I don't know if you mentioned that or not, but uh, Simmer was like on the broadcast, he goes, you know, breaks the streak 25 games since he scored a goal. And 35 shots over, you know, since he scored or something. I was like, yeah. wait, he's got like 1.1 shots per game over 25 <laughs> games in the top six with yeah. Mitch Marner and Matthews? Yeah. yeah. What is that stat? Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, John Tavares, extremely good, good vision. That, by the way, is one of their power play. The, the few things they can do differently is get him the puck down there and let him, you know, see the ice a little bit. Otherwise, it, it gets a little stale. So... Speaking of him with the puck behind the net, one of the goals comes after actually a pretty spectacular by Bobrovsky, and then we, he doesn't get to live with it for a second because Tavares again finds Bunting from behind the net. Bunting yeah. scores goal on the five-on-three power play. I actually, I'm not a big ref complainer because it just it's such an oversaturated field now. I go, hey, you know what? Let Leafs Twitter have it. And every once in a while when it really pisses me off, 
I'll let loose on one. But for the most part, like between Raptors Twitter and Leafs Twitter and Blue Jays Major League like umpire Twitter, I've just mostly bowed out. It's you, you can't corner that market. There's too too big a field. Well, actually, I will say that uh, I did something with Tom Haberstrow on NBA refs yesterday, and it did like millions and millions and millions of views and went basically everywhere on officiating. So I maybe I the ben did Taylor thing that he'd got demoted. That's unbelievable. Correct. Yeah. That was on my show a couple of days ago. If you are interested in it, the way the NBA handled that post Fred Van Bleet. But yeah, um, boy, oh boy. I couldn't believe that some teams at the very top of that list had as many as they did. I thought, okay, why are we complaining here? Toronto has no five on three. Sure. It's a bit of an anomaly, but what did you really hope for this year? Three, four, and yeah. then you guys on your show outlined just exactly how many some teams have. And I went, okay, this is officially a thing. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Some teams are up in the teens, right? Like 15, yes. 20. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, this is their first one, the longest drought ever. You know, and like trying to explain it to myself, like, well, you know, they don't challenge to the inside very much. Or, you know, it's, no. <laughs> like, there's certainly some times over the course of the season where, where you know, they're not getting a call. And if you want to be a leaf tinfoil hatter on that one, I would listen to it. I would have time yeah. for that theory. But I was also, I, I, I was really disappointed that they made the play they did, scored off a broken entry. I wanted to see them set up. You know, they got five forwards. What's the plan? You know, like we still kind of hadn't, haven't had a look at it in game action now. Okay, so I did all my positives already, which are Matthews, I think, looks extremely engaged right now. I actually think Marner does too. He's playing with just a different level of confidence lately that, yeah. it, it, like of all the least troubles, I mentioned how they get out, outshot again tonight. And if you look at the analytics for them, I love, again, the analytics mostly just being their shot share. Uh, It's been really pretty since 12 games ago around the deadline. So not exactly something to write home about for this team. But ultimately, tonight was another one of those games where I went, they didn't get outplayed. Do you feel like Matt Murray did anything spectacular? It was kind of funny that on the goal that somehow was conclusive. I, I still don't really understand. Matt Murray tried to do the Andre Vasilevsky. Like that was clearly the move that he decided in his brain yeah. in that moment he was going to try yeah. to do while he turned I'm that I'm going way. up against this guy in the playoff playoffs. I'm going to steal his signature move. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to he tried to go into his bag of tricks and do it. It didn't work out. The puck went in the net. But I was kind of disappointed too that I, I've been really wanting to see a different look for the power play this year. And this is what's so annoying about only getting these one game samples yeah. is that we really didn't get any feel, in my opinion, for Gustafson tonight on Power Play 1. Did you? Like, was there a moment even? Yeah, there's a moment. There's two of them. But mostly it's like crispness with the puck. I really like how, it, like, he, I don't know, he gets it. It stops. He, you know, like, it's it happens quickly. But mm-hmm. other than that, he's got that fake pump at the blue line where he pulls it, he drops, and he steps one of the inside. I'm trying to do it left-handed so it feels weird. But he, yeah. he creates a shooting lane. Uh, and that's nice to see. However he is really good at creating things both ways. So I cannot talk myself into he's this much better than Riley on the power play. So he's got to play like, that's just not the case. Unfortunately, it's kind of funny that that's his obvious move just about every time it is since he's been a leaf, he's done it 306 times and it's worked everyone. (laughs) I know. What's weird is I hadn't even thought about that until you said it. And now I'm realizing every Gustafson memory of mine that I think is good (laughs) is him doing that fake and then stepping closer into the middle of the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. Apparently it's great. That's all you need as a D man is one move and uh, one One bag of trick. One, One, you don't need a bag. You need a satchel for your trick. No, he's the, 
from knocked up. That's it. He's just the one. <laughs> he's just doing the dice thing <laughs> over and over and over again, and it actually is effective. He picks up Catherine yeah. Hagel or whatever because yeah, yeah, he's an NHL player, and it appears to be working. Oh, I wish we did come with it. I'll say too, overall, the tone of this game. I don't know if again it's because it's up against March Madness and we just watched this extremely intense World Baseball Classic or whatever. There were some moments of chippiness in this game, and yet overall, I didn't. It, it didn't really feel like an intense game. And for whatever reason, it just, to me, the Leafs and Panthers play a lot of these where stylistically there's always kind of like a chippy moment or two, but the rest of the game, you, you basically, I feel like I got hit with the men in black stick for a lot of it, where I'm just sitting there going, wait, what, what happened these last five minutes? Yeah. Well, you think about it. These teams both made the same conclusions about their teams that they didn't have any grit, right? Like literally Florida went, Oh, we don't, we're not tough enough. We need Matthew Kachuk as a star, not Jonathan Huberto. And the Leafs went out and got a bunch of guys. Like both teams tend to play. If allowed to, they would rather play sleepier hockey. Now there are exceptions that Lomberg is a full on pest, but yeah, not, oh. uh, not the most emotion. Oh yeah, I actually was thinking like he's doing a nice ad, you know. Yeah, I, I I really love him. He's like greasy. Yeah, he, he's greasy and he just lights people up. But he's small, so it's one of those things where he charges all the time. But you go, it's that hey, he's just a little guy. Yeah, he's <laughs> so, allowed to charge when he's five ten. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you have any thoughts on Matt Murray tonight? Because honestly, I think what did they finish with here? Uh, Panthers, I want to say, had maybe thirty two shots. Uh, 35 shots. So yeah, yeah, 35 shots for the Panthers, 33 saves, only two goals against one of which we thought was a highlight real save. And yet again, I, I, I'm not trying to take credit away from the guy. I think that it's been a little overstated. Some of the goals and games that have been against yeah. him. I thought the Edmonton game was really tough. He let in some really bad goals. The other ones where we keep putting up the statistic of four more goals in five yeah. games has been a little unfair to him. Again, considering the Ottawa game, he had something like uh, two goal save above average in that one. Yeah. He was spectacular. Tonight, I thought he was steady, solid, but that this was kind of the case for why you play him in the postseason is because he has a bit of a quiet game. He generally stops the pucks that he's supposed to stop. And if the Leafs play their style of hockey like they did tonight, yeah. where it's not a lot of dangerous opportunities, he's kind of quiet and steady in the net. I think the Leafs need their goaltending to be not bad. Not like, not yep. bad. I mean, they need it to be yep. actually not bad. Uh, I just think back to last year, you had Jack Campbell give you an 899, I think, in, in the first round against Tampa Bay in that series. And they're a goal away from winning it. You know, like, yep. I don't I don't know that you need that much better than you know, 905 something. You just can't have a guy go in and be awful. And if I had to pick one of those guys who's more likely to suddenly be awful, it's still Murray for me. So yeah, Murray was solid tonight. I thought he was really reliable. This job, good, good game for Murray green check, but I still, he just makes me nervous. So I, I, I'll, I've, this is basically me making the same point that I've made in 28 different Leafs talks this year. I don't think that there could be anything that either of these guys that is going to make me feel great because Andre Vasilevsky is going to be in the other yeah. net. Yeah, yeah. And so you're going to feel like there's a pretty big disadvantage. Plus, given the track record of Leafs goaltending these last playoffs, I, I've never felt – I can't really say there's ever been a series where I really thought, like, the Leafs killed them. I think there was one year against Boston where Freddie Anderson really put them in a hole, but then he battled back. But ultimately, mm -hmm. I think it's something that's been generally a little overstated with the team. Um, yeah, how do you year, and McKean get along on that? Because I remember you being a, a playoff Freddie defender, and I have been too, but he – McKean just – no chance. Yeah, but here's the thing about McKee. 
and you know this from your show, when is he right? <laughs> I love that take. That's my favorite what? McKee take. <laughs> is it often? Plus, I say this all the time, too. I say this to his face. He's the ultimate weather vane zag guy. Like, if you have an opinion on something, he is desperate to be the contrarian on that opinion and that take and he'll immediately go to the other one even if it is in direct conflict with like the take he just had right so yeah <laughs> it, it, it really works for creating content but yeah i i'm used to disagreeing with sammy let's just okay. put it that way you have like, a long I, history of that I've, okay. I've settled this i've i've put my freddie anderson uh ghost to rest in terms yeah. of my position on the matter could have been better wasn't as bad as i think people remember him to be had yeah. a lot of really good seasons with the leafs probably would have been uh beneficial better backup goaltending throughout the years and not getting ridden into the ground this year though to get to kind of the goaltending i had kevin woodley on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and it was yeah. really interesting he was using the clearview analytics to talk about the goaltending because the reason why i bring this up I that. where i was sort of going with this is matt murray actually has been definitely the better goalie at just making the saves you need to make this year for the mm -hmm. leafs it's been samsonov that has made the the saves that have been the brilliant ones Actually, he's I think he leads the NHL in high danger save percentage. And he's just, he is, what he has done extremely well on, according to Clearside Analytics, is he has been brilliant on broken plays this year. But I would think that that's something that's not exactly as um, pre predictive as yeah. something like making the easy saves. And as much as Matt Murray has been someone that has got a lot of people hand rigging and doesn't look as athletic and doesn't have as many yeah. of those gorgeous saves, if the case is, you just need the good goaltending. Yeah. A night like tonight was actually a pretty solid example for Matt Murray to look at the coaching staff and look at his team and say, hey, it was pretty quiet in there, right? Like not a lot yeah. of action. Wasn't very flashy. Guess what? 35 shots, two goals, yeah. one of which I disagree was a goal. So yeah. Yeah. how about that? And yeah. they have to look. Oh, hmm, that's pretty interesting. Either way, I think both guys factor into the playoffs. At some point, if they go deep, there's zero percent chance in my mind that it's one guy that you know just gets hot and rides them the entire way. I but, agree. They they're both going to play in the playoffs. Yeah, but this I just thought like, if we're going to kind of be afraid of Murray or whatever, it's like he's not a sexy goaltender, and yeah. that worked to his detriment at times. But when we're talking about eye test versus what actually happened tonight, was a really good Matt Murray game. Samsonov's at home holding his newborn baby with that vein popping out of his forehead like the kid in the meme just watching Murray shut them down. I should not have said things about how there's more important than hockey. <laughs> yeah. He's just going to head on down to Nashville for the next game, I might think. Uh, I think the Preds next. I don't have much else, I think. I think I can just rapid fire if there's anything else. for. Oh, I want to do something. A new segment with you. Oh. Called okay. Who's at Fault? And <laughs> this is, comes from someone who has been a video coach, Justin Bourne. Again, you do outline this job in your book, Down and Back, which you yeah, can yeah. get wherever books are sold right now. Thanks, um, so you as a video coach, the second goal against the Maple Leafs tonight um, is one where I look at it and I see the play happen live and I make a determination. And then I see the highlight and I make a different determination. It's a bit of a softy. On Matt Murray, I will say it's a backhand. Yeah. It's a bit of softy, but let's run this tape. This run the video because I want to ask Justin Bourne, who yeah. is at fault for this so, goal against the Toronto Maple Leafs? I know the one. Tav Tavares is on the wall, which you know he he must be covering. I don't know how he ended up being the winger on the right side boards, but he it's a weak play up the boards, and he starts 
Uh, no, I think we got Matthews here. Anyway, Tavares starts like drifting away, cheating a little bit. It at all. This is yeah. yeah we're looking good. for the Leafs getting. But yeah, I didn't like Tavares cheating. If we get it, I can talk us through it. But okay. The Leafs uh, getting scored on. Yeah, for the, the second, second goal against. Yeah. And we'll see. So we yeah, Trayborn, you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sort of a weak play out of the corner. So Tavares is playing wing. He's in the middle of the ice there. Um, and he goes down. We're going to get a play up the wall and he kind of cheats up past the D man. Who's coming down to pinch. Like he doesn't, he can make a play on that puck, but he's just gone. He's on the wrong side of that guy. And that lets Florida keep it in. I didn't think Lilligren was awesome. I mean, if I'm going to point a finger at, at one guy, probably Lilligren can get a stick okay. in there and stick with his guy. Let's see. Lily goes down. He's got the guy in the corner. He's standing with 16 the whole time, isn't he? No, okay. Then there's a switch. No, he's got to be tight to that guy. So when there's a switch, the, the one guy stays high, another starts going low. That's definitely his guy. So see, that was my initial reaction. And then yeah. the broadcast mentioned how Shen was in no man's land. And I went, wait, what was he supposed to do differently on this play? And then basically the next time I watched it, it was, well, shouldn't Matt Murray also make that save? But yeah. I'm glad. Uh, so it's interesting that you say Lilligren because. This is my last thing on this game tonight. I'll, actually, I'll do one positive quickly. I think Yarn Crocs looks a lot better and that, yeah, there's just a lot of jump to his game all of a sudden playing with Much Matthews. Much better and fit on that line than Kerfoot. I, I just think he's there to stay at this point, and I never would have thought that bunting Marner-Matthews wasn't going to be a thing in the playoffs. I don't think it is. I actually think the Yarn Croc thing is a revelation for them. They're going to stick with it. Negative is off of that play. Yeah. Lilligren made some Dumbo mistakes again tonight. Like, just... Some what are you doing moments, some lack of awareness moments, and he has had such a good year that I hate bringing this up. But when he was first coming through his, I don't know, first couple of years with the Marlies, I would ask people privately who were in the know and who would do scouting, and I would say, What's the deal with Lilligren? When is he going to get here? And people would say, Well, they don't know because the hockey IQ stuff is like he can just have some real brain dead moments, and they would say to me, it can be like Jake Gardner with the mistakes. And I got to tell you, there's been a lot of that tonight. There was one play on the power play where he just rifles it off someone's shins lazily and it almost goes for a two-on-one. There's another play later where he just completely loses where his, like the guy forechecking him is and he gets yeah. nailed into the glass because he just has no idea who somewhere is. And it's a turnover. He was kind of bad on that play. I, I don't know if this is a swagger issue anymore. Like this seems to be a little bit more than that. I, I can't put my finger on it, but it's not good. I just know when the, if that's something you've been trying to cut out of your game, given the way previous postseasons have gone, it makes you uncomfortable. I, I know that a year ago today, not today, but around this time, I wrote an article on Lilligren going into playoffs last year. I mentioned mm -hmm. this, what you're talking about now. And I said, I'm not sure they're going to use him in playoffs. He got two games, if I'm not mistaken, in the playoffs, you know, it's probably like that again. They'll definitely want to get him in given the season he's had and the success the yeah. Leafs have had, but I don't I don't know. It's not going to be easy for, for him to get and stay in, I don't think. I think he's going to start game one, barring just a ton more of this. Yeah. And I think they want to start him with Giordano. And they keep doing the thing where they've tried him with Riley and it, it just, you know, it's one of those things again, where analytically it always looks fine because yeah, those two guys take the offensive zone draws. It is yeah. so weird. That the analytics people can be so smart and then not account better for like the situation. Context. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just like, we're the smartest people. And then you go, except wh why do you think that there's these numbers are this way? Like you can't right. account for how 
going against you is bad, <laughs> like when it goes down. <laughs> right. And it, it hasn't really worked that way. It just, when he was playing at his very best in the middle of the season, it was very clear, like, this guy's import to the team is going to be massive. He looks like he's yeah. te- taking a step as a player. He looks like he can be an answer for them on the right side. And now all of a sudden he feels like a bubble player again. And I think that's such a huge part of we're having such a tough time figuring out what the Leafs are going to do with their defense pairings. It's because Lilligren has really fallen off and he hasn't been a steadying presence. And so now you've got to figure out, well, if you're playing him down the lineup, that means you need to play Hall up the lineup. That means you need to make the decision of either loading up one group or making the other two a little too yeah. thin. It's a really unfortunate thing that's happening right now. And it's one where for a lot of these guys, when they're having poor games, like when Matthews has a bad one or Nylander going through a slump right now or Tavares goes pointless for a while, you obviously give those players the benefit of the doubt. I don't feel as comfortable doing that with Lilligren. Yeah, well, what's unfortunate is because he has a lack of specialization, he has to be good all around all the time. You know, there's not like a, okay, we need one. You know, Lilligren's the guy to get out there. He has got 17 points this year. He had 23 last year. It's not like we need the shutdown guy and he's your go-to guy. It's you're going to Shannon Hall and Geo and Brody before him. So if there's no circumstance where he's the guy, he has to be good all the time, all around. He's turning pucks over right now, and that makes his spot in the playoff lineup pretty precarious. So anything else for you tonight? That's it, pal. That's all I got. Go buy Justin's book. It's right here. This is the book to go buy. Look how handsome. Oh, look at that handsome face. Actually, that's not really working. That's not really capturing. Just Just look at his normal. Yeah, it's very, very good. Anyway, I really love the book. Again, you can go get it wherever books are sold. I promise you it'll make a great gift for somebody, whatever you want to do. Uh, You will not regret purchasing it. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at JDBunkus at JTBorn. Uh, shoot this podcast a follow on Spotify or iTunes. Yeah. Subscribe to it, leave five stars, do all those things. And yeah, reach out anytime with your comments, share it, do all that nice stuff. It always helps out the show. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your pet if you don't have anyone around you. Uh, for JD Bunkus and Justin Bourne, we will see you Saturday night. <laughs>